welcome to Mavs Daily, where we're talking about the Mavs daily. My name is Bobby Corella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today is Isaac Harris. What's up, Isaac? What's up, Bobby? Bobby, I've, re- I've officially reached the old point of my life to where I tried to hit a softball the other day and I pulled a quad puzzle. Oh, and no. It was just a sad moment for me. I just wanted to get that out there for everyone who cares, no. which probably nobody, but still, I'm just sitting in my office chair right now in pain. So there you go. Hopefully you're not pulling a quad while you're podcasting. No. I guess maybe maybe it you only do if you're like taking it really seriously. If you're a real gamer, then you'll get hurt while you're podcasting. Hey, sometimes you get tense in a pod. It's just part of it. You, if you just like spit, you're just, your takes are like so hot, you just can't even take it anymore. You know, I totally get it. I totally get it. And you and I get ready because we're about to embrace debate on this podcast episode talking about the Mavs signing of Trey Burke. So uh, you might remember Burke, uh, obviously standout career at University of Michigan. First hats off to him for his excellent play with Michigan. One of, in fact, Tim Hardaway Jr. uh, put this on Instagram the other day. There was like a college site. It might have been like Michigan's SB Nation affiliate or something. Uh, said, like, the top Michigan college players of the decade. And I think Trey Burke was number one, and Tim might have been number two. And I was like, you know what? That's probably about right. Mo Wagner was up there as well. And uh, those are those are three just those, – those are some good Michigan Wolverines. So I'm happy to have Trey back. But, uh, again, if he's familiar to you, he was on the Mavs last season. He was, the, uh, he, he was the, the, the fourth player who came over in that KP trade. He finished out the season with Dallas – entered free agency, signed with Philly, and uh, played for a lot of the season with Philly, and then they, they let him go, and um, he's now back with Dallas. And, of course, he's here because uh, center Willie Cauley-Stein has opted out of the restart and his partner expecting a newborn soon. So congratulations to Willie. That's great yeah. news. But, um, of course, they have that extra spot now that they can give out to uh, to someone. And you might be thinking, okay – big man you might want to get a big man but this is the playoffs and playoffs things get small and so we'll talk about some of the reasons why we think they uh they brought back Trey Burke instead of went out and you know maybe signed a bigger guy but uh Isaac just first off uh you know what do you what do you remember from Trey last season what are your thoughts about the signing and and all that stuff yeah I mean the fact that he was uh thrown into that deal I thought was intriguing at the time uh, you called him the fourth player in that deal. Why couldn't he have been the third player in that deal? Or Might have been the first player in that deal, that. honestly, alphabetically speaking. But you know what I mean. I mean, the, he was the, <laughs> yeah. you know. You know? Salar- salary range, he was yes. taking the fourth most, you know. Well, salary. and they still have three of those players. So he's like the. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Isaac. Um, now they have all four of those guys back. But True, the band back. No, I was happy that they brought him back. And, you know, uh, we're looking at teams when teams, this window opened up uh, right now before, you know, Disney happens that teams could waive players and sign players. And, you know, guys across the league were opting out for the personal reasons. And and this allowing teams like Dallas to replace uh, a guy like Willie Cauley-Stein and much respect to him uh, for for opting out of that. And so now opens up the spot for, for Trey Burke and, so looking out there, I'm like, all right, what what could Dallas do? You know, what could Dallas do with this roster spot? And looking at other guards that were uh, still on the free agent market, 
there's one name that stood out and was an obvious one in Trey Burke that, hey, he already knows the system. Like, he already knows everything. You know, he finished the season in Dallas, like you said, hit free agency, Philly signed him. And I honestly thought they might look at bringing him back at the time because I thought he played decent in the time that he, he, he did play in Dallas. So uh, I thought he shot the ball well. I thought he played uh, pretty well in Dallas. And so, but anyway, yeah, he goes to Philly. Philly uh, waves him in January. So um, he, he was waived before that March deadline, therefore allowing a team like Dallas uh, to pick him up and he, he still be eligible for the playoffs. But I thought it was a natural fit at the time when they signed him over some of these guys like Isaiah Thomas, you know, he's still on the free agent market, but I, I'm like, Hey, I'd prefer Trey Burke over him because Trey's already been here. They're familiar with him. And uh, so, yeah, I thought it was a natural fit for, for Trey to come back to Dallas right now. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about that, like you, you know, teams basically get a free pass to sign whoever they want. Like, you know, the accountant went to Philly and um, you know, I, I think that, gives that answers a need for Philly. They need shooting. I mean, that's, that's obvious. So, you know, Brokoff can definitely shoot, but he's a new player in a new system. And like, unlike if you're going into training camp and the preseason and the 82 game regular season to where you can kind of acclimate yourself with not only a new system, but new teammates and everything, this is like, you're dropped right in the fire. And now, you know, most of these players that are signing during the signing period are not going to be like starters or play really heavy minutes. I mean, Trey might not even play, more than 10 minutes a game. I have no idea what a spot in the rotation will be, but in the event that someone gets hurt or gets in foul trouble or that whatever, the matchup is favorable or whatever, you need to be able to come into the game and make an impact. And um, it, it suits him well and is a very big advantage, I think, in my opinion, that they were able to sign a player who not only knows the system, right, knows the plays, knows all that stuff because he was just here, but also he played with almost all of these guys last season. Now they do have some new players like, you know, DeLon was near Boban, you know, there's some new guys, but most of these guys were here and he played with KP in New York. And so like, he's got a lot of familiarity. And so you could conceivably as soon as long as he stayed in shape and everything, which I assume he has, there's no reason to believe he hasn't, you could just buck him off the street and put him on the court and he would be, he'd be able to fit right in almost like he was with the team the whole season. And so um, again, I don't know what his involvement in the or what is what is whatever what a spot will be in the rotation, but uh, whatever it is, he figures to be able to play and and kind of you know make an impact. Yeah, and you look at the spot that you know that Dallas is probably looking back or looking at and saying, hey, we need to address this spot, and that's the Jalen Brunson spot. And we we know that Brunson, you know, Rick had, had already came out. Uh, I guess what weeks ago, or I guess. Gosh, I don't. I can't remember when Brunson had his shoulder surgery. It's been. I'm as a construct, Isaac. Honestly, it could have been like three weeks ago, or it could have been three months ago, and I, I just can't comprehend that. But uh, with Brunson out for the rest of the season and not playing in the restart in Orlando, that's another playmaker that comes off the bench for Dallas behind Luca. That all of a sudden there's a gap there, and you still have JJ Barea. Obviously, JJ's still on the team, but then you're looking at you know Delon Wright, Seth Curry. But are they kind of more off the ball players now, or you know, are they more? Uh, can they do the playmaking role like Brunson gives? I don't know. So when looking at once Willie, you know, opted out, then it's like, all right, would you prefer another ball handler to replace Brunson, or would you prefer a big to replace Willie? And with signing Trey Burke, it shows that hey, Dallas would rather have the the reassurance, I guess, of another ball handler in the backcourt in Trey Burke. And where things get really interesting is just like the kind of the 
evolving philosophy in the NBA right now where in the playoffs it gets small. Teams go small all the time now. And um, it's just kind of this thing. I mean, we saw it, you know, obviously I don't think that you can count on a team like Golden State ever happening again, for example. But Golden State was playing Draymond at the five in the finals like almost all the time against Cleveland. And Cleveland was going very small too. I mean, they still had Tristan Thompson, but he's like six eight. You know, he's like a small center. And even he wasn't playing sometimes. They were going Kayla with Kevin Love at the five. I mean, teams go really small. Houston is playing PJ Tucker at center full time now. And so um there's no guarantee that in the playoffs they were gonna go with, you know, a a full-time center rotation anyway, I would, I would expect KP to play a lot of five. And so it makes sense to add more playmaking um, because I, I agree with you. I mean, Seth is awesome off the ball. I think his, his ability to just knock down open threes is just, I mean, he's so good at shooting that it's like, why would you, why would you let him like Luke is so good with the ball in his hands. Seth is so good at shooting. Why would you reverse yeah. those two things? It doesn't make any sense. So um, you need someone that can, that can come in and just whatever, Again, foul trouble, injuries, anything like that. Um, but this kind of leads to like a more, I guess, interesting conversation. Um, not that, you know, Trey isn't interesting because I think he's a totally interesting player and everything. But um, what do you think the Mavs rotation is going to look like in Orlando? What are they, you know, be, because again, to, to kind of reset, no Willie, of course. No Jalen Brunson, no Dwight Powell, no Courtney Lee, who had stepped in the rotation, was playing pretty significant minutes uh, for the, the final few weeks there before the hiatus. And so in the playoffs, naturally, things get cut down a little bit. You know, your 11-man or 10-man rotations turns to like a 9- or 8-man rotation. Uh, but given the injury situation and, uh, you know, with Willie not going, what does the what do you think the rotation looks like? Of course, depending on the opponent and everything, but just generally speaking, who do you think plays? Yeah, I honestly think the the eight seeding games is going to be kind of a um, a prove it scenario for those last few spots in the rotation uh, for Rick. And I think you know naturally, we I think we've talked about this before on this pod, but I, I think it's a a natural uh, top six in the rotation. However, you want to you know, slice it with uh, Luca and KP and Dorian and Tim, and, and then Maxi and Seth. And so I think you have that that secure top six there. And then depending on how much, you know, Rick wants to give minutes to, you know, spots seven through nine at that point. If we're talking just playoff series, I think a lot of it could, you know, depend on matchups. If you're wanting, uh, you know, DeLon's defense in there, uh, if you're wanting to, you know, maybe Justin Jackson has some has some good games in, in the eight seeding games. Uh, maybe they want to throw uh, J.J. Barea in there. And it's like, hey, we've trusted him. This is He's a vet on this team. We can trust him to you know, go out there for 10 to 12 minutes and run a second unit, something like that. Um, if they're playing a, a team like Denver and they're like, hey, Boban you know, can be one of those seventh or eighth men you know, off the bench like that. So I think, it's, I think it's, uh, there's a clearly top six in the rotation. After that, I think it'll be matchup dependent. But also, I think they'll be looking at it and saying, hey, who's going to step up in one of these eight? Because I, the, I think the rotation will go like 10, 10 11 deep in, the, in those eight seeding games. But will there be a guy who steps up in those eight seeding games, a DeLon Wright, a Justin Jackson, you fill in, whoever it is, a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, whoever it is that steps up in one of those games or a handful of those games, we're like, all right, well, I have to give those guys, you know, a couple of these guys some minutes come playoff time. Yeah, and if it, it does kind of depend on opponents too, like you said, if you play Denver, I think Boban is a 
perfect choice for Denver because he's got the size to bang with Jokic and everything. Uh, if you play a team like Houston, you know, who's just rolling out a bunch of wings and guards, then I don't know if Bowen plays. Uh, maybe MKG plays like backup five minutes, or maybe yeah. you go Maxi backup five, and then it's like Dorian is playing some center two, and uh, it's a lot of like Justin Jackson. And in a series like that, maybe Trey Burke gets in because it's it's more guards like you know Russ, Austin Rivers, Eric Gordon, uh, you know smaller. So I think kind of like the the overall one of the biggest strengths of this team this season is not only that you have Luca and KP who are incredible players, but um, you have so much depth and it's like versatile depth too, right? Like Maxi can play four or five. He even played three sometimes like Dorian can play three, four. He can guard really like one through four. Uh, Seth Curry can play like one, two, Tim can play two, three. You can roll both of them out there at the same time with Luca or one or the, I mean, it's, you have a lot of like flexibility and uh, a lot of that stems from Luca being six, eight point guard and KP being seven, three, who can just, whatever he can, I, he could probably play shooting guard if you ask him to, but um, in the playoff, like styles make fights. Right. And so you, the, the, your rotation is going to kind of hinge on who it is that you're going up against. And um, I, I don't think necessarily that the injuries that they've suffered have compromised their flexibility, but as things get tighter uh, and as rotations get thinner and, and, and as like, you know, your, your stars start playing more minutes um, they'll have, I think, fewer opportunities to be flexible uh, because like if you play Houston again, you're only going to be able to play like seven or eight of the players on your roster against the Rockets. Whereas the same could be said of Denver, but it's just a different, it's a different group of players. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned MKG at the five because that's kind of how it took the, you know, as soon as they decided to replace Willie with Trey Burke, you know, com- swapping out a center for a point guard, basically, you know, immediately uh, a lot of, you know, Mavs fans naturally like, all right, well now we're down a big. And, but I think that's where MKG comes into play. And I think when, when Dallas picked him up off of waivers in, I guess what, March, I guess, or, or February, whenever it happened, you know, that was a talking point when they brought him in of like, Hey, can he play small ball five? I remember talking to him at his locker and how he, he was telling me how he, he would watch tape of Draymond Green or the P.J. Tuckers of the world. And that's kind of the role he's embracing. He was playing, man, there, there you look at a clip. Um, I think it's one of the first uh, first two or three weeks of the season when he was in Charlotte and he played this small ball five. And he actually played it really, really well. And uh, Borrego and stuff, they, they went a different route with the roster and just direction and everything. And then he went to the bench and later got waived and all that stuff, rest of the story. But he has experience playing that small ball five. And when you play a team like Houston, you're talking about Houston, you know, he might not get in there against a team like, you know, Denver, who their backup five is Mason Plumley. You know, that's a, that's a bigger guy. But if he has to go in there against a P.J. Tucker or, I mean, if they're rolling Rob Covington at, I mean, we don't know what you know, Houston's going to do in the playoffs. That's where somebody like MKG comes into play. So I think if you're looking at a big man rotation, you know, KP is going to get a lot of minutes to the five. We can see Maxi. Then depending on the matchup, I think it could be either or with a Boban MKG with some backup five minutes. Well, what will be really interesting is I've never seen Harrell and Kid Gilchrist stand next to each other. I mean, Montrez Harrell is like a, a big bowling ball. And, and I mean, he's a he's a big dude. He, he's not very tall. He's only 6'6 six, six or 6'7, six, but he's very strong and everything. But MKG could maybe handle him too, you know? I mean, it's it'll I don't I don't know. It's just 
I, I think I, I'm with you that him at center is ideal for me. And, and, and there are a lot of matchups where him at center makes a lot of sense, like schematically and everything. So um, I'd, I'd be all in on that. I think, I think that would be fantastic. And, and if, if he can, even if he's not setting screens, right. Even if he's just playing five on defense and, you know, maybe rolling somehow, like, you know, like they run a lot of like double drag stuff with Luke and KP where like KP will also set a screen so that the defense still has to think about the three-point shot, like because you don't necessarily want Dwight Powell spotting up or Boban spotting up or whatever. But if you have someone spotting up, then it creates like enough havoc. So if you yeah. do a little bit of that stuff with MKG, then I think you can sort of like cheat the way the defenses maybe don't respect his three-point shot. Or heck, maybe he comes out and hits a couple. And like if you're in a playoff series and he hits two out of three threes in the first game, you're not leaving him open the next game. I mean, you're just not. And that's the kind of thing that can swing a whole series, you know, and I know he's put a lot of work in on that shot and his form obviously looks a lot better and everything too. So um, it'll be interesting to, to see. Uh, but anyway, back to Trey Burke real quick before we uh, wrap it up. We, we didn't really talk about like him, the player too much. Um, what do you not remember? I mean, it, we're talking about it like it was like five years ago, but describe Trey Burke, the player. Uh, maybe, maybe someone wasn't really tuned in, you know, at the end of the season because the Mavs were out of the playoffs. What kinds of things – uh, can he contribute to this team? Yeah, I mean, you look at just his, uh, what, he played 25 games in Philly, and he shot 42% from three. I mean, it was just, it was only on a, a, a three and a half a game, uh, a three and a half, like 1.5 three, uh, games, you know, threes a game. But, you know, he, I thought he shot the ball well when he came in from Dallas. I mean, when I when I immediately think of Trey Burke, I think of his shot for Michigan and, and the NCAA tournament run. Me too. And I just I think of that and and everything. But no, I mean, he can put the ball on the floor. He can uh, distribute as a point guard, but uh, he can also you know score the basketball, too. And I, I think it's what's crazy for me about Trey is in my mind, he's been in the league for a while because you look at his stops. He came in the league, went to Utah a year in Washington, went to New York, then to Dallas, uh, then Philly and now back to Dallas. And you're like, dang, he's he's playing on a handful of teams, but he's still just 27 years old. And it's like, you look at the Mavericks roster and in my mind, in my mind, I was thinking Trey Burke, even looking back at it today, I'm like, dang, I thought he was like closer to 30, but you look at the Mavericks roster and he's younger than Seth Curry. He's younger than Maxi. He's younger than Dwight Powell. And it's like, dang, there's a lot of these guys on these team on this team that I thought Trey would be older than. And uh, he's actually younger than. So he hasn't been in the league as long as I thought, but I think he, I think he deserves a spot in the league. Whether he stays in Dallas after this season, I don't know. But I think he can be a valuable backup point guard for a team, and I think that's the role that they sold him on coming back into in Dallas and saying, "Hey, I don't. We don't know how many minutes. We don't know. Bobby and I don't know exactly what his role will be, but it's going to be some type of backup guard role, whether it's behind a JJ or with a JJ or." whoever it is that, I mean, that's, that's his role now. And I think he, he can be a good backup point guard in the league. Yeah. He's a really smooth scorer. He only shot 35 and a half percent from three last season with Dallas after coming here in that trade, which I remember it being way higher, but then again, eyewitness testimony has been proven to be unreliable. So I guess this is a pretty good example of that, but he, I mean, he's a, he's a really good shooter. Um, like I said, really smooth score. He can create, he can run pick and roll and he's quick too. And that's one thing that, you know, this, this team kind of like overall, uh, especially from the, from the playmaker spot, just is kind of like, I, I don't know, they, they could definitely stand to improve in that area. 
um, like, you know, Jalen and Luca are both Luca, especially obviously is like, you know, they're both excellent playmakers, but Luca's not going to win a 40 yard dash or anything like that. Same could be said for JJ and DeLon Wright is, you know, th- there's a lot of like more methodical kind of playmakers. And there's something to be said for just having like a change of pace guy and Trey can play like, you know, in kind of like a slower, more contained offense, but um, he's quick too. You know, he can take guys off the dribble and I think that's really good. And so, again, I don't know how he, I don't know how he factors into that uh, in, in the, in the rotation. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if depending on the matchup, like if it is Houston, for example, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets minutes over JJ because Russ plays at a, at a really high gear, but against maybe a slower team or something, then, then maybe JJ is the answer. I have no idea. That's why I'm not the coach. That's why I'm just the, the, the dummy hosting a podcast, but uh, it'll be interesting to follow. It'll be really interesting to follow. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll probably find out some answers here from, uh, from, from Rick and, and, and from the rest of the guys, maybe even Trey will talk, but these guys are all doing interviews. Of course, now that practice has started. And so um, if you want to hear what they have to say, follow Dallas Mavs on YouTube and uh, follow the Mavs on social media. Uh, Isaac, any, any final words, any, any parting shots, any, uh, any hamstrings to pull before we get out of here? No, I'm just happy for uh, Trey Burke that he's getting another shot. He gets to go with Dallas. Uh, he's a, I mean, a great security blanket. If Dallas is looking around saying, "Hey, I need a, I need another ball handler. I need another uh, backup point guard." There's a guy that finished the season well for us and that already knows our system. And uh, and that went got, to Michigan. And that went to Michigan, and uh, that's, right. that, that's what Trey Burke uh, gives you. So uh, yeah, I'm happy uh, that Trey's back with Dallas. Yeah, and also I'm happy for Ryan Brokoff too. Every everybody wins, man. Everybody yeah. wins. All all in all, it's just a, just a good day for everybody. My my heart is very full right now. Now I have all to, right, Isaac. I have to cheer I, for the Sixers now. Well, we have no choice but to stand. So Mav Sixers final is gonna be crazy, man. Uh, many many enemies will be made. But all right, Isaac, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it as always, my friend. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did, feel free to subscribe. Leave a nice review. Uh, leave a like or whatever. I don't know how it works. Uh, let us know. Maybe uh, maybe some topics you want to hear about. And obviously, now that the games are beginning, we're going to be talking about uh, some roster situations and stuff. So if you have any questions about like maybe how the rotation will shake out or, or anything like that, uh, let me and Isaac know. We'd love to talk about it on this here podcast. We are doing it every day of the week. Not necessarily me and Isaac every day, but somebody from this company will be doing this podcast eventually i'll get a day off and maybe you will too but in the meantime it's going to be mostly you and me but uh we'll be with you every step of the way things are things are very close it's july now things are things are things are starting to ramp up it's very exciting um so uh yeah in the meantime he's isaac harris isaac l harris on twitter i am bobby bobby corello all over uh the social everything give us a follow if you like or don't that's fine too and uh, either way can't escape us. We'll be back with you tomorrow on Mavs Daily.